We're beginning a new series called Seeing Through the Fog. Sometimes our emotions can get a little foggy, but God helps us see how those emotions can lead us directly to Him. He can help us see through the fog. And today we're going to see through the fog of depression. So take a moment now and prepare your heart for today's service. We are continuing uh, today in the series we started last week called Seeing Through the Fog. And we're saying, you know, God, God gave us the emotions that we have. Every, every, all the emotions that, that we have, God gave us those. And some of us, we're pretty emotional people. Right? Maybe, maybe you're one of those emotional people. But God, the emotions sometimes can become very prominent and sometimes can become pretty foggy. Emotions like one we talked about last week, shame. One we're talking about today, depression. One that my wife is going to be talking about next week, anxiety. And emotions like envy and anger. God can help us to see how when these things start becoming prevalent in our lives, how we can be directed back to him. God can help us see through the fog of those emotions. And, and last week, as we talked about shame, we, we defined shame using this definition from a psychologist, Ed Welch, that said, shame is the deep sense that you are inherently flawed, unacceptable, and unworthy. This, this is what you think about yourself. We said this is different than guilt. Guilt we feel because we did something. Shame begins to tell us this is who we are. And, and then he goes on and he says, and that's there because of something you've done something that was done to you or something you're associated with. But we said that because of Christ and because Christ disregarded the shame of the cross and he took on all of our shame, that we can approach him boldly. We don't have to hide. We don't have to cower back. We can approach him boldly, express what's on our heart, and we will find in him grace. We will find in him mercy, and we will find his love for us. He will lift our heads, and he will show us we're loved, and he'll show us we are cherished and accepted, and he will even help us walk in peace in our life. And I said last week, I'll say it every week, we understand that there's different depths that people battle these things. And people battle them more than just emotionally. They battle them mentally. They battle them spiritually. They battle, battle them physiologically. So we understand that. We know that. I'm speaking primarily to the spiritual side of everything. But we do want to encourage you. If this is a struggle for you in your life and you need extra help, don't be afraid to talk to someone, a, a counselor who is Christian that will speak to you from a biblical basis and standpoint. We have a link on our website. If you just click resources on the website and uh, under there, you'll see a link that says counselors we recommend. And you'll see it. We try to keep that up to date of Christian counselors who will be more than willing to meet with you in person or virtually and, uh, and help you with that. And this week, like I said, we're going to talk about depression and we're going to try to see through this fog spiritually of depression. Just like we did with shame. Let's think about what causes depression. What, what can lead to depression? One of those things is that the negative just plays over and over in our mind. The negative, like we talked about last week with shame, things we've done or things that's done to us or we're associated with, that negativity plays over and over in our mind. And, 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 and shame can even lead to depression or shame, it, it, the negativity of a loss. We've lost something. We've lost someone. We lost a dream, an idea or something and that was so precious to us. And we lost that. And we, that negativity plays over and over. It leads to depression. We lose a relationship in our life. A relationship ends. A relationship that maybe we put too much prominence on. And it, and, and, and it became first in our life when God was meant to be first. And we lose that relationship. And now we don't know where to turn. And so depression starts coming. Or we lose a loved one to death. And the grief and the weight of the hurt and the pain that we feel from that. It just plays over and over and it, and it leads to a place 
of depression. Drug, alcohol abuse can lead us to a place of depression. Those, those things affect us chemically in our body and in our minds. You know, uh, we, we can, there couldn't be a medical imbalance and a hormonal imbalance in our bodies that can cause depression. And that, that is a case. I've also heard of this, that people will use depression in a way to manipulate others, to get attention or, or to, to, um, to just feel loved in some way. And they play that so much in manipulation that it actually becomes a part of their life. And they become a person who is depressed. Depression is very terrifying. It's very heavy. It's very dark. And it makes your world feel that way. Depression strikes at your very soul. And it wants to hit you deep in your life. I've heard it described as a person who, who looks dead but walking because of how depressed they are. You know, maybe you've seen, uh, you've probably heard of Eeyore before. You've heard of that guy, right? It's your lovable, friendly pessimist from Winnie the Pooh, right? It, it reflects the person who is the one that sees the worst in every situation and wants to think about the worst in every situation. Because if we get to the worst, then we're prepared for the worst in every situation. But depression is, is, is an advanced Eeyore. It's an advanced pessimist. Depression, I've heard it described as a hope saboteur. Because depression can't see hope. It claims that hope's not there. But here's what we have to understand. Depression lies and depression will lie to you. And this is why we cannot listen to what depression wants to speak into our heart and speak into our life. We have to listen to what Jesus has spoken to us and listen to what God has done for us in our heart and in our life. Depression is no respecter of persons either. Some of the the great, uh, uh, in, in church history, some of the great names, like one of the most famous preachers of God's word, Charles Spurgeon. He was uh, said to have battled great depression in his life. And it said that he even spoke to his, at the time, 15,000 member congregation, which in his day would be greatly huge. He said, I've spent more days shut up in depression than probably anybody in here. Martin Luther, who led the reformation for the, for, for the church, he is said to have been so depressed that his wife would have to hide the knives in their kitchen because she was afraid he was going to kill himself. He wrote in his literature, he said, for more than a week, I was close to the gates of death and hell. I trembled constantly. I could find no thoughts of Christ, only of desperation and blasphemy of God. These are people that spoke of the greatness of God. They still battled depression. It's, it's, we see it throughout the scripture. We see names who are even mentioned in the Hall of faith, as we describe it in Hebrews chapter 11, of people who battled with this state of mind in their life. People like who will reference in just a moment, people like King David. We see him reference the state of mind throughout his life. The prophet Elijah, the prophet Habakkuk, and the one that we're going to look at this morning in, in many of his words, the prophet Jeremiah. He actually has a whole book. It's called Lamentations. One you probably don't have on your top reading list in the Bible, right? This is this is one you're reading through the Bible and you get to that and you're like, why is that in here? Yeah, because it's not that full of joy. <laughs> but we're going to go there this morning. Lamentations chapter 3 is where we're going to go. If you have a Bible, you can uh, go to there. 
We're going to read from this passage of scripture this morning. Jeremiah lived during a time when Israel was, was being uh, delivered into exile because of their punishment. But because of the, they were suffering the consequences of disobeying God and not heeding his warnings of what was going to happen. And so now they're going into exile. They turned their hearts to God. And, and during his lifetime, Jeremiah had witnessed many people taken, probably many of his family, many of his friends, many of his loved ones being taken, I would imagine, very brutally from Jerusalem. To Babylon. He had seen this over and over. And while people who remained in Jerusalem were, were saying that, well, the worst is over. We're, we're about to see things turn and things are going to get better. But God had told Jeremiah, no, the worst is yet to come. That's not what we want to hear, right? We want to hear the best is yet to come. And Jeremiah had been tasked with this task to tell the people of Jerusalem, no, because we're not changing our hearts. The worst is yet to come. But people didn't want to believe Jeremiah. They actually considered Jeremiah a traitor. And at the end of his book, Jeremiah chapter 38, verse 6, I believe, it, yeah, 38, 6, we see that he was thrown into this pit where it says that he sank into mud. That's what they did to him because they, don't, they didn't want to hear his words. And it's there that many believe is where he began to bring to mind these lamentations that we read in the book of Lamentations. So I say all that to say that if you think you're in a bad situation, Jeremiah gets it. Whether others may not understand that you talk to, Jeremiah gets it. So let's look at what he says in Lamentations chapter three. Let's look at how he describes his situation. We'll start at verse one. He says, I'm the one who has seen the afflictions that come from the rod of the Lord. And of his anger. He has led me into darkness, shutting out all light. He has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and flesh grow old. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and surrounded me with anguish and distress. He has hurled me in a dark place like those long dead. He has walked me in, walled me in and I cannot escape. He has bound me in heavy chains. And though I cry and shout, he has shut out my prayers. He has blocked my way with a high stone wall. He has made my road crooked. He is hidden like a bear or a lion waiting to attack me. He has dragged me off the path and torn me into pieces, leaving me helpless and devastated. He has drawn his bow and made me the target of his arrows. He shot his arrows deep into my heart. My own people laugh at me. All day long they sing their mocking songs. He has filled me with bitterness and given me a bitter cup of sorrow to drink. He has made me chew on gravel. He has rolled me in the dust. Peace has been stripped away and I have forgotten what what prosperity is. I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I'll never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Stop right there. Aren't you glad you came for the reading of God's word this morning? I mean, that's, that's just encouraging, isn't it? We, we see Jeremiah describe his situation as darkness without light. This is exactly what depression makes you feel like. It makes you feel like you're in a dark place. And we see Jeremiah express these feelings that you have possibly thought, possibly expressed in your life. Wondering, is God even listening? God's not hearing my prayers. 
God is even a part of all this. He's a part of everything that's happening to me. He expresses that that he was given this bitter cup of sorrow to drink. Your translation may have used the word wormwood. Wormwood was a bitter herb that was put in drinks. And for the Jews, it was also a reflection and, and, and a representative of God's judgment of his wrath. Is what wormwood was. But I want us to consider, believe it or not, the benefit of having these words from Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations that the prophet expresses. That even though it's dark and even though it's heavy, and even though it can be maybe even hard to read or maybe you read it and completely relate to it, let it speak to you that God wants you to express what's on your heart and what you're feeling to him. He wants to hear it. It's okay to express those emotions. And where these lamentations may not, or they're, they're completely honest from how Jeremiah feels, they're not accurate with facts. And Jeremiah knows that because we're going to see him express that here in just a second. Jeremiah knew the expressions of God weren't accurate, accurate, but they were how he felt. And the way he was feeling did not dictate his faith. I want you to grab that this morning. I want you to hold on to that. The way he was feeling did not dictate his faith. Because look at what he goes on to say in Lamentations chapter 3, starting at verse 21. Yet... I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it's good to wait quietly as we sing about this morning for salvation from the Lord. And it's good for people to submit at an early age to the yoke of his discipline. Let them sit alone in silence beneath the Lord's demands. Let them face down in the dust for there may be hope at last. Let them turn the other cheek to those who strike them and accept the insults of their enemies. For no one is abandoned by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, and the word that's used there in the Hebrew is a word that means though he allows exile. In other words, though he allows us to go through the consequences of the choices that we have made. He also shows compassion. Because of his because of the greatness of his unfailing love for he does not enjoy hurting people or causing them sorrow. These are the middle verses of the middle chapter of a book filled with despair. It's the anchor point for Jeremiah and what he's feeling and where his life is. And Jeremiah says, I dare to hope because I remember Maybe your translation said this. It says, I call to mind, therefore I have hope. 
What are you calling to mind in your life every day? What are you remembering? Remember, depression lies. It causes you to lie to yourself. And we can't listen to depression. So what are you, what are you calling to mind to remember? I've heard it described this way. We're faced with two roads. One road is a road of faith. One road is a road of isolated independence. And if you think in your mind and all you're hearing in your mind is there's no hope, this is what you're speaking to yourself. Life has no meaning. This is what you're speaking to yourself. God doesn't care about the situation I'm facing. This is what I'm speaking to myself. Then maybe you ought to look at where you are and turn around and go back to where that fork was and take the road of faith. Because there is hope. What are you calling to mind? It's deeper than just self-talk. Because positive self-talk is just about telling yourself who you can be. Telling yourself about yourself. Jeremiah says, I tell myself about God. About who he is. We need to have our self-talk talk to us about who God is. And what God has done for for us. What did Solomon tell his sons in Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23? He told them, above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart above everything else. We talked about last week, because of shame, we're very good at guarding our reputation. We want to guard what people see about us. We want to try to guard what people think about us. Think about everything you guard about yourself. Solomon said, above any of that, guard your heart. Above everything. Why? Because spiritually, the heart is connected to the mind and to the soul. And Jesus told us that from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, from, the, from what's inside of us, what's going on within us, our actions outside reveal that. So we need to speak to ourselves about God and what he's done for us. What are you calling to mind? What are you remembering? I mentioned David dealt with this. Look at what he wrote. This is just one of the many Psalms where we see him write something like this. Psalm 42 verse 11, David said, why my soul are you so downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? In other words, he's, he's talking to himself. He's talking to, him, to his soul and he's saying, why are you depressed? Why are you letting yourself be in this state? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. He is telling his very soul, hope in God. <laughs> Depression is lying to you. It's telling you there is no hope. Hope in God. Even though everything you see around you looks hopeless, hope in God, hope in him. What are you calling to mind? Look at what the prophet Habakkuk wrote. It's in Habakkuk chapter three, verses 17 to 18. He says, even though the fig trees have no blossoms, there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. 
I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Even though everything around me is dark, even though everything around me seems like it's failing, even though everything around me seems horrible, even though I feel weight upon weight upon weight in my life, I will hope in God. At the very beginning of this chapter, Habakkuk says that I have heard the things that you have done. I've heard the stories about you, God, and I am in awe, he says. This is why we need the stories of what God has done in people's lives. This is why we need to hold on to the stories of what God did through the history of his church. Because when we see that, it gives us faith to believe and hope to believe he's going to work it in my life. That's why people need to hear your story of what God's done in your life. Because when they hear your story, it gives them hope and faith that God can do it in theirs. Sitting in worship, I look over here and I see two stories of so, such incredible hope and faith in Bailey and Marty this morning that people need those stories. And you have stories. Because it brings hope. Remember, we walk by faith, not by sight, but we also don't walk by feelings. Feelings too often dictate to us what we believe to be true. Dr. Tony Evans says this about faith. He says, faith is only meaningful to the degree that the object has meaning. He goes on, he says, belief only matters if the object has substance. There's nothing with more substance. There's nothing with more meaning than God himself. And we know that because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. When we're in a place of depression, death wants to come alongside. And death wants to link arms with depression. And it will agree with depression's assessment that there is no hope. There's no reason to go on. So when depression links arms with death, all there is is misery. But when depression links arms with faith and with hope that we can have in Christ, it sees a bigger road. And it sees so much more. Now, I won't say to you that the pain will just immediately go away. God can do that. But our hope rests in something deeper than relief from pain. Our hope rests in the person of Jesus Christ who defeated death so that death can't have victory over you. The one who told his disciples that the whole reason I teach you everything that I teach you, that I'm doing everything that I'm doing for you is so that you can have joy and you can overflow with joy. He gave us his spirit and part of the fruit of the spirit is joy. So see, depression cannot rob you of hope. Listen to me. It cannot rob you of hope because it cannot rob you of Jesus. Jesus is real and Jesus cannot be taken from you. Look at what the apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He said this, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. 
So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on, gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. And that's because of the hope we have in Jesus Christ and the eternity that he gives us. What are you calling to mind? What are you remembering? What are you speaking to your soul? And just like Jeremiah, get up every morning and look for God's mercies in that new day. You may feel like Jeremiah. You may feel like everything around you is dark and heavy and there's despair. But you need to do just what Jeremiah did and speak to your soul and tell yourself that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. That they are new every morning and great is his faithfulness to you. And if our faith is in Christ and our hope can't be robbed because Jesus Christ is our person of hope, then read the words of Jeremiah that he wrote in the beginning of chapter three from the lens of Jesus. Because Jesus was the one that experienced exile for us. He was the one that was put away from the presence of God because of our sin. He was the one that was torn, literally torn and ripped to shreds to take the stripes on his back for us. He was the one who the arrowhead on that spear pierced his side for us. He was the one that literally drank the the bitter cup. Matthew tells us that that he was given vinegar mixed with gall. gall. Gall is the Greek word for wormwood. In other words, Jesus drank the full cup of God's wrath. So that we don't have to experience that darkness. That we are free from that transgression. Jesus went through darkness so that you can live in light. When Jesus was in the temple and he was given a scroll to read, he read these words from the prophet Isaiah. And he said this about himself. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. To proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he'll give a crown of beauty for ashes a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. And in their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Because of Jesus and what he's done for you, that's what he wants to give you today. He wants to turn your, 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 your mourning into joy your despair into praise. So begin to speak to your soul, just as David did, just as Jeremiah did, just as Habakkuk did, just as so many others have done, that even though I go through all of this, I will dare to hope. Why will I dare to hope? 
because my hope is in him. It's in what he did for me. I will rejoice and be glad in him. I may not have anything to be glad in around me physically in this life, but I'll rejoice and be glad in him because I have him. Soul, I'm going to speak to you today. Rejoice. Have joy. His mercy's new today. His mercy's fresh today for me. And like Spurgeon said, I find no better cure for my depression than to trust in the Lord with all my heart and seek to realize afresh the power of the peace-speaking blood of Jesus and His infinite love in dying upon a cross to put away all of my transgressions. My hope is in Him. Stand with me this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for what you have done. I thank you today for victory that we have in Jesus, for hope that we have in Jesus. And Father, right now I speak over any person that's in this room or that's online. And today they feel exactly like Jeremiah expresses in the very beginning of that chapter, Lamentations chapter three, and really all throughout that book, they feel that way in their life because of everything going on around them and within them. Father, I pray that in this moment, they will begin to experience victory through the power of your Holy Spirit. pray that they would take this moment to turn their mourning into praise and that they will begin to rejoice in you. And Holy Spirit, I pray today that you would begin to break off the depression over their heart and their mind. Let them call to mind today the goodness of God not the darkness that surrounds them. Help them to see today the lies of depression and help them see today the truth of the hope we have in Jesus Christ. We thank you for it today, God. If you need prayer in any way today, we would love for you to reach out to us. You can go to our website, bwccambin.com, go to our contact page. You'll find the link there to uh, request prayer or send us anything that you uh, would like to communicate with us today. Or you can also simply text the word prayer to 803-676-7566. And we will be back in touch with you to find out how we can be in prayer for you. God bless you. We hope that you have a great week.